good morning, Regen fam. I am so glad to be with you this morning. Today is December 20th, 2020, and it's just really good to be together uh, in this way, even if we can't be together together. But I am just so excited to be in this moment with you. As we get started with our gathering this morning, I just want to name something that you might already be observing. So to your right, over my left shoulder, you might see an unfamiliar face, and also over my left shoulder. Uh, to my left, to your right, is Adrienne Foos. Uh, Adrienne is the office manager here at Otterbein, and she helps us also at Regen doing some financial entering and some data, and she's just incredible. And this is her husband, Jeff. Uh, you see Josiah by, behind me. Um, this weekend, Joey and Julia were possibly exposed to, co to COVID, and so they are quarantining. And when Adrienne heard that, me talking about that, she said, Jeff and I would love to help. And so they're pinch hitting for us uh, all weekend. So uh, this morning in our gathering, uh, this evening at our very Merry Christmas, and also at, uh, an, in a short Christmas Eve service that we put together that will go live, and Steph will tell you about that in a minute. Uh, but I'm just so glad to be with you. I'm so thankful that uh, even though Jeff and Adrienne don't regularly attend our church, they're still brothers and sisters. And so they saw a need and they stepped in. I'm just so thankful to you guys for doing that. Uh, as we start this morning, I just want to read uh, Psalm uh, chapter 16. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. I want to invite you to sing out from wherever you are. You might want to stand uh, even in your living room, but uh, let's join our voices and sing together. Well, good morning again, Regen family. We are so glad to be with you um, online, and we hope and pray that you're having a wonderful uh, Sunday morning. Um, I have a few announcements, so if you kind of just want to hang with me, we'll, we'll work our way through those. And uh, the first is that you'll be receiving a digital communications card in your texts. And so I want to invite you to fill that out. And I just want to encourage you that we are so glad to hear from you. And especially when you include prayer requests, we love that it enables us to know what's going on with you and how we can be praying for you, especially in the season where we're not seeing you face to face. It really helps us um, to feel connected and to know how to best care and support you in this season. Um, as Kyle mentioned, tonight is our very Merry Christmas, and so we will see you here at the church outside at 5 p.m. Dress warm, bring a friend. We're so excited. Jeff and Adrienne will be playing live music. We'll have Nova Donuts and hot chocolate. Um, we'll have glow sticks. We're going to have an amazing message from the Bible. It's just going to be a really great night, and so we want to invite you to, to join us for that. Um, as Kyle also mentioned, we're going to be having a Christmas Eve communion service, and that's going to be going live on all of our social media platforms at noon on Christmas Eve. Um, and so you can be looking for that, and then it'll be live all day, so you can kind of do that after, um, after lunchtime on, whenever is best for you and maybe your family. And then um, next Sunday, we won't be doing a live stream, but we will be Zooming together. So normally, um, the Sunday after Christmas, we've done a brunch, and we would hear testimonies and kind of just have more of an informal time as a family together. 
And obviously we can't do that in the same way this year. And so what we've decided to do is do a Zoom call. And so those um, Zoom credentials will be going out in an email on Monday. Um, they've also gone out in last week's reconnect. They'll be in this week's reconnect. If you're still having trouble, please reach out um, to Kyle or I or Preston and we'll be able to, to help you with that. We wanna make sure everybody who wants to be there can be there. So that will be Sunday, uh, December 27th at 11.15 a.m. on Zoom. And I hear that there's gonna be games. I don't know what kind of games, maybe prizes? I don't know, you'll have to, you'll have to zoom in to find out. <laughs> Um, also, J-Term signups are still available. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a J-Term group, please do that, and please do that this week, because they're going to be starting the first week in January, which is going to be here in a hot minute. Um, so I want to go ahead and ask that if you want to join one of those groups, even if you're not sure if you want to, I still want to encourage you to, to sign up for one. Um, at this time, we were going to move into our um, giving liturgy. And the reason that we pray this every week is, especially in the season of being disconnected, it's easy to forget um, what our money is really about. And our money is really about what God wants it to be about. And so I want to invite you at this time to join me in praying our giving liturgy out loud. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All that I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. And now uh, let's watch this week's Advent reading. Hi, I'm Caitlin Collins. I'm Daniel Collins, and this is Luke. And this is Logan. All right. Advent is a Latin word that means the coming or the arrival. Advent is a time for preparation, and Christmas is a time of celebration. Another way to think about it is this. If Christmas is a birth, then Advent is the pregnancy. Mary waited nine long months before meeting Jesus, who was both her son and her savior. Before that, Mary's ancestors in Israel waited thousands of years for their Messiah to be born. Paul writes in Galatians, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. It took a long time for the right time to come, and during the long wait, that long pregnancy, God was growing in his people, faith and trust in his character and promises. Advent invites us to ask, what is God trying to grow in us? How is he seeking to increase our faith and love in this time of preparation? As we light the fourth candle on the Advent wreath, we light the candle that represents love. Advent waiting gives Advent waiting gives birth to more love for Jesus and for our friends and family and for the world that so desperately needs the light of Christ. What are you supposed to say? 
Would you pray with us? Loving Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see what is you are growing in us, and that you would give us the courage to respond in faith to that moment. We pray that you would give us a love for you and a love for our neighbors and a love for our world that so deeply needs you. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, you are with us, and that gives us such joy. And so I pray that, Father, wherever we are today, that your Holy Spirit would be so very present in that room, and that, Father, you would empower me in this moment uh, to communicate clearly to my family today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be in John 1. And John 15 today. John 1 and John 15. I feel as if nobody really understands me. I find myself waiting for people to call or write. My interests and ideas are not shared by those around me. No one really knows me well. My social relationships are superficial. It is difficult for me to make friends. Lest you're now at a level of panic about my emotional state. These are all statements that come from what's called the UCLA loneliness scale. It, it, it's a psychologically verifiable tool that is used to measure loneliness. And as I was reading those, I wonder if one of them stuck out to you and made you say, I feel that way sometimes. I wonder if as I was reading them, it, one of them stuck out and made you think, I feel that way a lot of the time. Because if that happened for you, you're, you're not alone. According to a lot of experts, loneliness is at an all-time high. Dr. Vivek Murthy, who served as the Surgeon General under President Obama, calls loneliness an epidemic. 22% of Americans report feeling lonely. That's one in five of us before COVID-19. There are more Americans who suffer from loneliness than who suffer from diabetes. And by, mu and by some measures, loneliness is far more deadly. Loneliness is linked to an increased risk of heart disease, stroke, and dementia. One recent study found that the chronically lonely have a 68% increased risk of hospitalization and a 57% increased risk of emergency department visits. Another study found that social isolation significantly increases a person's risk of premature death of all causes. The dangers, the dangers of uh, loneliness are biological, but they're also social and psychological. Dr. Murthy notes that loneliness is connected to a wide variety of ailments of the mind and of our society. Anxiety, violence, trauma, addiction, crime, suicide, depression, political apathy, even political polarization can find their roots in loneliness. And now here we are, just a few days from Christmas, and for a lot of us, our plans have changed. 
We'll be spending Christmas apart from the people we love. For others, this is the first Christmas or one of the first Christmases that we spend without a loved one who has recently passed away. For others, this Christmas is yet another Christmas that we're single. Loneliness, by the way, it's a subjective experience. So even though you may be surrounded by dozens of friends and a supportive family, you can still feel lonely. Whatever the case and however you'll spend this Christmas, here's what's true. Loneliness threatens to steal Christmas. And this morning, I want us to look at the nearness of Jesus in our loneliness and help us encounter him as Emmanuel, which means God is with us. But first, I want us to think about loneliness and to think about it through this lens. Historically speaking, loneliness is a new phenomenon. In March this year, Jill Lepore wrote an incredible article for The New Yorker. It's called The History of Loneliness. It's a fascinating read. It was timely, given that it came out right as lockdowns were being instituted across the country. And in Lepore's article, she cites the work of a British historian whose name is Faye Bound Alberti, who has her own book on loneliness called A Biography of Loneliness, The History of Emotion. Uh, Alberti defines loneliness as a conscious, cognitive feeling of estrangement or social separation from meaningful others. Uh, Interestingly, Alberti objects to the idea that loneliness is universal, that is experienced by everyone, that it's transhistorical, that it's been here forever, and that it's the source of all that ails us. Instead, this is what Lepore says of Alberti's writing. She says, Alberti argues that the condition of loneliness really didn't exist before the 19th century, at least not in a chronic form. It's not that people, widows and widowers in particular, and the very poor, the sick and the outcast, weren't lonely. It's that since it wasn't possible to survive without living among other people and without being bonded to other people, by ties of affection and loyalty and obligation, loneliness was a passing experience. For most ordinary people, daily living involved such intricate webs of exchange and, inter- and dependence of exchange and intricate webs and shared shelter that to be chronically or desperately lonely was to be dying. To be chronically or desperately lonely before the 19th century was to be dying. In fact, she says that the word loneliness very seldom appears in the English language before 1800. Loneliness, Alberti says, is a product of capitalism and secularism and individualism. In the 1800s and the early 1900s, our culture became more secular. It, pl- it pushed the church, a place of that belonging and interdependence, to the fringes of society. In the 1950s, the telephone was widely adopted by American households. In 1960, the percentage of single-person households rose dramatically. It was driven by a high divorce rate, a falling birth rate, and longer lifespans. By the 1980s, loneliness as a concept begins to appear in medical literature. Fast forward to 2004, when a little website called Facebook makes its debut. And shortly after that, Apple released the first ever iPhone. 
and the era of online community was born. Uh, Some people say that social media is a product of the epidemic of loneliness. Others say that social media is one of its greatest contributors. In either case, The Economist has declared loneliness to be the leprosy of the 21st century. To compare loneliness to leprosy hits your ear in a strange way, but here's what I've noticed. Loneliness, like leprosy, carries with it shame. When you feel lonely, you can't help but wonder why. You can't help but wonder if there is something wrong with you that makes you unlovable or unlikable. What doesn't help is that loneliness is so subjective. Again, you can have a supportive family. You can have a huge network of friends. You can be around people all the time and still feel lonely. You can be isolated and in total solitude and not be lonely. Dr. Vivek Murthy says, to be at home is to be known. To be at home is to be known. He goes on to say, in community after community, I met lonely people who felt homeless even though they had a roof over their heads. I met lonely people who felt homeless even though they had a roof over their heads. But if you ask me, loneliness is described most poignantly in this statement from the UCLA Loneliness Scale. It says this, people are around me but they are not with me. This Christmas, we're looking at the culprits who, like the Grinch, would sneak down your chimney to steal your Christmas. And we've looked at grief and loss and distraction and fear. And today, just before Christmas, just before many of us spend these holidays in a way that different than ever before, we look at the final felon, loneliness. This Christmas, we might feel lonely. This Christmas, we might feel that people are around us, but not with us, even if those people are just with us on a Zoom call. And if that's you, if you are experiencing loneliness this Christmas, I want you to hear the good news. Scripture says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want us to consider this morning how the witness of Jesus transforms our loneliness. So let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John 1, it's a favorite passage of mine. It's written by a guy named John who was by all accounts the best friend of Jesus. I want you to look with me at just one verse in this chapter. Chapter 1 verse 14. It says, so the word, that's Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John John tells us that the word that is Jesus, that is God himself, has made his home among us. When you feel like there are people around you but not with you, when you feel homeless in your own relationships, Jesus has made his home among us. The message translation says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood, and in our loneliness, Jesus draws near and makes his home among us, and he offers us his presence and companionship and his unfailing love and faithfulness wherever we go and however we are, and if loneliness is that feeling that people are around me but not with me, Jesus moves toward me to be with me and among me in my loneliness. But that's not all he does. Flip over to John chapter 15. 
And what we find in John 15 is that Jesus doesn't just make his home among us. He does something else. Look look at verses 5 through 8. Yes, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus uses this image of a vine and a branch to reveal this rich, interconnected intimacy that Jesus longs to have with each of us. Jesus uses the word remain in John 15. It's the Greek word meno. It can be translated to remain, to abide, even to make yourself at home. So the message translates verse 9 of John 15 this way. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Jesus invites us to make ourselves at home in him, in his love, even as he makes himself at home in us. Henry Nouwen says that you and I are Jesus' preferred dwelling the place that Jesus delights in dwelling, and Jesus delights in dwelling within us because of what he says in chapter 15, verse 15. He says, I no longer call you servants or slaves because a master doesn't confide in his servants. No, you are my friends. Jesus invites us to make ourselves at home in him because he is our friend. Wherever you go, however you are, whoever you're with, Jesus is among you. He is within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is nearer to you than to your own breath. The invitation of Jesus this Christmas and every day is to live an Emmanuel lifestyle living with an awareness of the nearness and presence of the God who is with us. Our ancestors called this practicing the presence of God. The monks of the Middle Ages called it ora et labora, prayer and work. They they, they found intimacy with God in the ordinary tasks of their day. Whatever you call it, Jesus lived and died and rose again so that we could have an interactive relationship with him throughout our days, throughout our lives, including when we're lonely. Art and Pam Cooper are going to be leading a J-term just on this very theme, Uh, and I would encourage you to join in on that, but I want to give you a little bit of a spoiler on what it looks like to live the Emmanuel lifestyle in your loneliness. If it's not this Christmas, sometime in the future, you will feel lonely. And while we objectively know it's true that Jesus wants to be near us and for us to experience his presence in our loneliness, sometimes we feel like we can't make that connection with him. And when we feel like we can't make that connection with him, we start to feel like there's a sin issue or I'm just not a good enough Christian or I'm failing. And the reality is it's not a sin issue. It's not a character issue. It's a neurobiology issue. When we are distressed, when we are lonely, by the way, uh, 
I didn't include all of this and nor do I fully understand it, but loneliness triggers in our body hormonal reactions that cause us to be anxious, that cause us to be in like fight mode, which is why we can't connect with God when our brains are in fight mode in the same way it's hard to connect with God when our brains are in fear mode. And so when we are distressed, when we are lonely, here's what we do. We, we pause, we turn off the TV, and we stir up gratitude and appreciation. We take a moment, we take a deep breath, and by the way, you could do this with me now. We take a deep breath, we settle in, we notice our body, and we think of something that we are particularly grateful for, or a moment in our lives that we felt very connected to others and to God. And so right now, I'm, what's coming to mind for me is being on vacation this summer with Steph and Jack and pushing Jack in his stroller along Lake Michigan, of sitting by the lake and him sitting in my lap and only wanting to eat grapes and not play on the beach or go in the water, which is fine, and having a deep sense of peace. And from that place of gratitude, it's so easy for me to think of a time of deep connection with God even this week, I was on the phone with a friend, and we prayed together, and God's presence was so palpable, and so I can kind of stir up appreciation and find a place in my memory where I'm connected with God, and I can sit in that connection, and I can mentally turn toward what's distressing me. I can mentally turn toward what's making me anxious. And because I've reestablished that connection with God, what I can do is ask Jesus, ask Emmanuel to speak to me in my loneliness. To even in my sanctified imagination to help him, to invite him to help me see him sitting in the room with me. I remember one time I was praying for Jack and it was in a season, I don't know why we were worried about him. And I just remember praying for Jack and Jesus gave me this, such a strong image of him sitting in Jack's chair all night watching over him as if to say, I got it. And so whether you are lonely, whether you are anxious or afraid, we can use this Emmanuel lifestyle approach. It's, we call this texting with God to stir up appreciation to remind ourselves the connection with God and then find connection with God in our loneliness. And, and if that's hard for you, some of us, because of our upbringing or because of something that happened to us, that muscle of joy and connection is a little flabby. And that's okay, because Jesus is glad to be in the gym of your anxiety of your worry and your loneliness. He's glad to draw near us as Emmanuel, even in the midst of our loneliness, to help us see him in our midst. And why I'm telling you this is that this Christmas, if you are going to be by yourself, Jesus longs to be with you. And not just longs to, he is with you, but he longs for you to know that deep in your bones. Jesus makes his home among us. He makes his home in us. And then he does something so surprising. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 15. He says, This is my commandment. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. And I'll be honest, every time I've ever read John 15 until I was studying for this passage, it felt like Jesus just took this hard right turn. So here's this intimacy with me and you. Now go love people. 
But what Jesus is doing is establishing friendship and intimacy with us and now asking us to extend the friendship we have received to others. It's like Jesus is inviting us to come live in his house of love and then saying, why don't you expand the walls of your house to invite other people in? Jesus calls us his friends, and he invites us to extend his friendship to those around us. He invites us to expand the walls of his house of love to include other people. Or as Psalm 68 says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Jesus' strategy for dealing with loneliness is calling people into spiritual family. Jesus' version, John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. And, And just scratch out disciples and say, by this everyone will know that you are my family. If you love one another. What Jesus is saying here is that the world around us will know that we are the family of Jesus because we are a community, we are an alternate society marked by love. And sometimes loving one another and setting the lonely in family means you and your family saying, Every Tuesday, we're going to have this single person over our house for a meal, which I understand is hard right now. Sometimes it looks like saying, here's this person or this couple, they need a home, and so we're going to give them a place in our home. And Steph and I have done this. We've invited people in our community to live as not our guests, but as members of our household, as spiritual family, people woven into the fabric of our life for an extended period of time. Sometimes that's what it looks like to love one another, to invite the lonely into your family. But sometimes inviting one another means smaller acts of affection that communicate belonging to the lonely. And and let me be clear, what I'm about to say, none of what I'm about to give you instruction to do is limited by COVID. Because the scale says, I want to look at the UCL loneliness scale for clues. Because sometimes, isn't it our intent? I don't know a person in our church who doesn't want to be a loving person, who doesn't intend to be a loving person. But sometimes our intentions and our actions fall apart. And so we need to find a way to put teeth on our love for one another. That sounds weird. Uh, And so, um, like weird Fifty Shades of Grey tone. Um, Oh, Steph is saying no. Um, So the scale says, guys, I'm just going to let you know. It's 9.22 on Thursday night. Pray for us. Um, So the UCLA scale says, I find myself waiting for people to call or write. That's what loneliness feels like. I find myself waiting for people to call or write. Loving one another looks like calling or texting or Marco Poloing or whatever and having a conversation about what's going on. That said, it's not just about a call or a text, right? Because we're Midwesterners. So you call someone, say, how you doing? What are you going to say? I'm good. Right? Oh, good. See, the scale says my social relationships are superficial. Midwestern culture trains us to be superficial. And so when I say, how are you? I often need to say, but how are you really? Sometimes loneliness feels like this. I have to deal with all of these problems by myself. And that's an intense feeling. And sometimes loving one another looks like saying, what can I do to help? And listen, as I'm saying this, there are kind of, broadly speaking, two two kinds of responses. And there's some people who, by nature of their personality and spiritual gifting, they are passionate about caring for people. 
and showing mercy to people and offering and extending belonging to people and they are ramped up finally Kyle's talking about this this is the most important thing as we do as a church and there starts to be this burden of but it's not happening enough so I'm going to do it and I'm going to care for everybody and I'm going to take on this burden and ultimately where that leads is to burnout because you're just trying to care for everybody around you on the other hand, there's people who, by nature of their personality and spiritual gifting, it's not that they don't love people, it's not that they don't care about people, it's that they're more task-oriented, more outward-oriented, more upward-oriented, and so they kind of forget to check in. They want people to feel belonging around them, but they, they forget to kind of take that step. And so Kyle's saying, hey, we got to be checking in with people, and that sounds like a burden. So now I've got people over here burned out, now I've got people over here burned out, burdened, and burdened, and now they're kind of just walking away from it. And, and the practice that we lean into in this moment is, I can't pretend like nobody around me needs care, and frankly, I can't be selfish enough to say my life is too busy, my life is too overwhelmed to care for others. Because friends, I'm 32 years old, and here's what I've learned in adulthood. I am always busy. I am always overwhelmed. So I can't just use that as an excuse, but I also can't then swing to the other pendulum and just be running myself ragged caring for everybody. So this is why we pray three prayers every day. Father, what are we doing today? By the way, this is harder to do than you think it is. Somebody just said that to me. I've been doing this and it's kind of hard. Yeah. The way of Jesus is simple, but not easy. Father, what are we doing today? Father, what do I need to be reminded of today? Over here, it's good to care for people. Over here, it's not all your job. Father, who do I need to pay attention to today? And that prayer gets the person who keeps forgetting focused in on the one, and, this prayer, and that prayer gets the person over here who's focused in on the 10 bajillion to the one person that God has already gone ahead of you to care for that day. This last prayer helps me be intentional. It helps me uh, when my gifting causes me to think about other things. It's helpful because it stops us from being burdened or burnt out. And it ultimately helps us do this. It helps us build a spiritual family where we do this for each other. If you want to know what it's like to be at Regen, let me tell you. We aren't trying to build an organization where we hire and pay people to do the things that we don't want to do. We're becoming a spiritual family where we do this for each other. We're becoming a spiritual family where we do this for each other. And so it's not about paying professionals it's about everybody in our spiritual family being devoted to prayer led by the holy spirit and following after the holy spirit's leading and hear me on this people are going to fall through the cracks in a season of crisis or need you're going to be overlooked and by the way let me be clear about that that is hurtful to feel forgotten it is hurtful to feel overlooked it doesn't help the lonely feel less lonely when they are left alone in their loneliness but here's the other thing I know about family. In family, it's not one offense and we're done. Not in healthy ones. In family, we stick it out because we're family. And so we extend grace and we offer benefit of the doubt. And, and here's the other important thing. We ask for what we need and what we want. We say, I'm not okay and I need help. Again, as Midwesterners, what we kind of do is like the silent treatment and the passive-aggressive treatment. This Christmas, Jesus invites us to make ourselves at home in him. We sing that song, I'll be home for Christmas. And because God is with us, 
because God has moved into our neighborhood, because Jesus has chosen us to be his preferred dwelling, because he's made himself at home in us and invites, ourselves, invites us to make ourselves at home in him. Wherever we are, whoever we're with, however we are, we are always home for Christmas. We are always home for Christmas because the nearness of Jesus transforms our loneliness. We are always home for Christmas because we are rooted in a spiritual family that draws us in. You may feel lonely this Christmas. You may feel like people are around you and not with you. But what I want you to know is that Jesus isn't just among you. He's not just with you. He is within you and his presence is nearer to you than your own breath. I want to invite Steph to come and uh, lead us in response time. Here at Regen, we practice response time um, because of, of what it says in Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who has built his house upon the rock. And we want to be wise men and women. We want to build our lives upon the rock. And when we hear the word of God, we want to be transformed by it. We don't want to just hear it and walk away unchanged. Um, and so this morning, I just want to invite you um, to just think about a couple things. And, and one of the things that just keeps coming to my mind is, as, as Kyle was talking about, that Emmanuel approach that idea of thinking back on something you're really grateful for and of a time that you feel really connected, to, you felt really connected to God. Um, if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that in this time. And I think my question is, if you can't think of a time that you felt connected to God, I want to encourage you to think about that. And I want to encourage you to ask the Father why that is. Um, and then listen and, and have um, a willingness to hear what he has to say to you. Um, and if that's the case, then I even want to invite you to invite him in and to invite him to make this morning that time, that time when you feel close to him, when you sense him, when you can hear him. Um, you know, this Christmas is going to be different for some of us. Um, we may not be with the family that we're normally with. We may not be with the friends um, that we would normally see. We're probably not having a lot of the parties we usually did. Um, but the great thing about that is that that leaves time for Jesus and that leaves space for him and so let's use this time to be with him um, I want to just take a moment here while Adrian plays and I just want to invite you how is God getting your attention this morning what's the thing he's highlighting and then what's one thing you can do this week to draw near to him so let's just take a minute and then I'll close this in prayer Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to be with us, to die for us, to be raised from the dead so that we could be with you forever. 
And so we thank you this Christmas week for just that incredible gift that you gave to us. And we thank you, Father, that even beyond that, that you still speak to us and want to be with us even now. And so, Father, I pray this week that we would have eyes to see where you're moving in our hearts and in our lives and that we would have ears to hear your voice. And so we just ask these things in your name. Amen. Um, before we go, I just want to invite you, whether you're experiencing loneliness or anxiety or fear or maybe physical pain, uh, we would love to pray with you. So in the comments, you'll see a link to a Zoom room. Um, we'll be there to pray with you. I'll be there to, you know, invite you into a room and to pray with you. Um, but if that's something you feel uh, God calling you to this week, don't hesitate. Don't feel weird. Just join us. We'd love, we'd be blessed to pray with you and feel so grateful for that. Um, for the rest of you, have a wonderful Christmas week. We hope to see you tonight at 5 p.m. for a very Merry Christmas. But if not, have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. We love you all.